For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And a good morning, Birds fans. We appreciate you tuning in, being here at the start of Birds 365. We got to start somewhere every day, right? We start right here, 8 a.m. Eastern. That's Eastern for those of you West Coast Bird fans who jump on the Jacob Media YouTube jan- channel and join the Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen, who looked like he got a little color out there at Bird's Voluntary, although they had really good turnout, uh, camp. Uh, Mr. McMullen, you, you got to invest in some uh, sunblock there, buddy. You look a, you look a oh, little red yeah, this morning. You know, I, I think that's the light. You know, I I haven't seen the sun in eight months. We weren't allowed to go to football. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get burnt a little bit, but you know, you bite through it. It's yeah, not you're that out, big of a deal. Out but, there, but I thought we were going to call it a gathering, Jody. I like oh, that we term. Could, yeah, yeah, we can go gathering. I'm sorry, I tried it that one out there yesterday. You like that? Another gathering in South Philadelphia of the Philadelphia Eagles 2021 football team. Uh, in this, sorry to say, transition year. We're just going to harp on that because we got hey, the um, owner harped on it, not us. Exactly right. We're getting this one from the big cheese when we roll transition out there. Uh, it started at the top, and that's uh, kind of what this season is going to be about. But as I mentioned, at the gathering yesterday, pretty good turnout, except for a couple of veteran guys. I don't think anybody is surprised that Fletcher Cox wasn't there. Brandon Graham's already put his time in. Darius Slay, a no-show yesterday. This only yeah. year two of his Philadelphia Eagle tenure, and he hasn't been around as long as either uh, Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham. Uh, was he conspicuous by his absence? I don't think so. He's an entrenched player. I don't. I. I don't think it's a concern. I mean, the one thing is, you know, Zach Ertz wasn't going to be there. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham have been here. So who knows? They might have had something to do. They talked to the media last week already. Uh, we haven't talked to Darius yet. So I don't think it's any indication of unhappiness. It's just he probably wants to stay back in, in, in Michigan and uh, do some things with his family. And, you know, it's voluntary work. Voluntary means voluntary, as the union will tell you. And when you're a star player, Voluntary does mean voluntary. Yeah, really voluntary. It, it, yeah, it, it actually is voluntary. So it's not a big deal. But I'll, I'll tell you what stands out. You know, I'm sitting there watching the cornerbacks without Darius Slay. Yeah. And them going through the rotations. And Abonte Maddox is number one. And you start to go, oh, this is this is shaky. Can you imagine if, if Darius sprained an ankle? Forget about a serious injury, but wasn't able to go on a particular game day. Whew. There yeah. is, you know, we had Jimmy Kemsky on yesterday. He had, he did his sort of depth series of pieces for Philly voice. There is no depth at the cornerback position on the Philadelphia Eagles right now. That is the one off season move that I think all Eagle nation is waiting on the Eagles to add another cornerback or two. Don't know if they've got the cap room even after June 1st to be able to add two, but uh, Eagles are, 
still hoping that a potential starting cornerback is still out there. Because, yeah, we're talking about depth. And I think all the fans understand what depth is. It's a domino effect. When you add someone, they get slotted in. Everybody moves down one slot thereafter. And that's how you build up your depth and get better at depth. Oh, yes, the Eagles need depth at quarterback. And sometimes when you're reaching for depth, let's say you're going to carry four cornerbacks. It's either going to be four or five. You're looking for that fourth guy, a better fourth guy, who's going to push your fourth guy to your fifth spot. Oh, no, the Eagles need number two to be able to push down two to three and three to four and four to five. Uh, for the quarterbacks who did show up yesterday, who, yes, we all have an opinion on how much they've done and how much they can do. At least anybody make any plays yesterday? Well, you know, there's nobody to make plays against. The offense doesn't work against the defense. So it's just for the defense, you know, at least offensively, you can look at the quarterback throwing the football. You can look at the receivers catching the football. But, you know, for a corner, you're not you're not covering receivers. Um, for defensive linemen, you're not going against offensive linemen and vice versa. So it truly is individual work. It truly is teaching and technique and fundamentals. So, no, I mean, you, you can't gain much uh, from this type of atmosphere, especially at, at, on the defensive side of the football, especially at a place like corner where you probably need to figure some things out. And Jody, you mentioned four. I mean, NFL teams in this era, they keep six corners because, you know, teams play so much 11 personnel. There's three receivers on the field, 70, 80% of the time for certain teams. You, you go even Arizona, they'll put four or five receivers on the field. So you need a ton of cornerbacks in the modern NFL. And the Eagles don't have a ton of cornerbacks. Now, I, I do think, you know, Jonathan Gannon uh, can cobble together some things. I think he proved that in Indianapolis. Uh, so I'm not as concerned, weirdly, about the back end. I think, you know, when you start talking about the fourth, fifth, sixth corners, they're going to have some flaws. They have some flaws in every city. You can't have a superstar that deep on your roster. And I think he'll be good with those types, getting those guys to play maybe a little bit better than you expect. My concern is at the very top, the guys that really have to hold the fourth down. They have to play all the time. They have to play against the top receivers in this league, and we talked about it. Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Kenny Galladay, Terry McLaurin, so on and so on. And, you know, the depth everywhere in this division, it's a concern. I will say that. Right. And week number one uh, in the upcoming season would be the Atlanta Falcons, who may or may not have Julio Jones there. It's one of the reasons why I brought up Darius Slay. Slay was one of the Philadelphia Eagles who decided to go to social media and lobby for Julio Jones. He put out a tweet with Julio Jones Eagles and uh, big googly <laughs> eyes, like how good that would look, him in an Eagle uniform. Yeah, Darius, we can see through that. You just don't want to cover him week number one because, you know, if he stays in Atlanta, that will be your responsibility. You'll cover him in practice. That's not a problem. During the game, he could make you actually look pretty bad. Uh, you and I brought this up yesterday, the Eagles being involved. Anytime yeah. there's a big name out there, because of Howie Roseman's reputation, the Eagles name is going to come up as a potential suitor for that player. It's got almost no chance of happening, right? Because of most, no. I would say most, reason is 
that they just don't have the cap room and creating the cap room would make it very difficult for them. Uh, second reason would be they're okay with their wide receiver group. You can't be. When Julio Jones is available, he's going to go to the top of your list. Sorry, Devontae Smith fans, and you know how big a fan I am. Uh, yes, he would even go above the uh, number 10 pick in the draft this year because he's Julio Jones. But the Eagles have n- no wiggle room in here to get involved in any Julio Jones conversation. Even if they do have extra first-round draft picks, if that's what the cost is going to be for Julio Jones, right? Yeah, man, uh, I don't think that is going to be the cost because we always talk about uh, circumstance and where we are. And unfortunately, because of his contract, the Falcons had to wait post-June 1st. So there's not a lot of teams with a lot of room. Everybody's budgeted. Everybody's come up with a plan already. So it limits what you can do from a trade perspective not only for the Falcons, but teams that might look at him in other circumstances if it were a different part of the calendar. And they had more money, and they hadn't already declared their intentions at the position, so to speak. Um, For the Eagles, look, yeah, I don't think it's a fit for a number of reasons. One is, uh, and, and most notably, is the money issue and the fact that they just don't have the money. Now, you could always figure out a way. Howie Roseman has proven that. But then you talk about the transition where we started, Jody. I mean, this team is known around the league. They've been saying this for three years now. we got to turn this roster over. So while I, I acknowledge how good Julio Jones is, he's also 32. He's also entering the last stage of his career at that particular position. Is this the timing to go after a player like that? I don't think it is, to be honest. Right. Doesn't necessarily make sense. Julio Jones should be, and again, I saw him on uh, the Undefeated Show uh, or Undisputed Show on on Fox with Bayless and uh, Sterling Sharp the other day, uh, or Shannon Sharp, uh, the fact that he wants to play for a winner. And that makes sense on two ends. (laughs) <laughs> he wants he wants to try and get himself a Super Bowl ring. And yes, the teams that would be willing to take him on it or should be willing to take him on at this point, know full well they're going to have to take a cap hit somewhere down the road. Because you can write contracts and Julio can play for a very reasonable number this year as long as you convert a large signing bonus that he gets the money up front. Oh, all the players like that. Give me my money right away and let me get it. It's a guarantee when it's in my bank account. But then you need to create phony years on the back end of deals. And eventually you're never going to get to those years. And you're going to take a big cap hit when you move on from the player. So teams who would be willing to do that, you would think are teams that really honestly believe, yes, we've got a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. And Julio Jones is going to absolutely help us do just that. So we'll be willing to pay the piper at a later date for our Super Bowl chances here. You can't make the argument for the Eagles being in that group this season. No, and the reason they're doing this with Carson Wentz and taking that dead money hit is to create flexibility for 2022 and beyond. So they're taking their medicine now. The last thing they want to do is take that horrible gulp of medicine and then say, oh, let's get another so we have to take it next year. Let's keep going. They want to correct that issue and the fact that – and I don't even know if that's the right term, Jody, because I think the Eagles did the right thing. When the championship window was open, you spend money. You go for it. You do these types of things to get you over the hump. 
The problem is they thought the championship window was open a little bit longer than it really was, and that's always a difficult decision. I mean, you know, that's one of the hardest things in sports to serve those two masters to kind of say, are we going to be honest with ourselves and we got to start going in a different direction, getting younger, getting more cost effective so we could do it again? Or are we going to try to go for another championship? The Eagles kept going for another championship a little bit too long. And that's why we we are where we are. On the other hand, I don't think fans want to trade in that Lombardi trophy. I think they're pretty happy with it. So I think they probably would have liked another. I'm pretty sure of that. So I can't really blame the organization for that. But I will blame them. If they do this, because this will be a third year, Jody. This will be a third year. And by the way, I would have killed him for the Ryan Kerrigan contract if it wasn't the Ryan Kerrigan contract. If they had to pay him $5 million, right. I would have killed him. They paid him $1.36 under salary cap. That's great. That's fine. As long as it's not uh, uh, financially ham- hamstringing you in the future, I have no problem with that. Julio Jones would hamstring them financial you are 100 percent correct um and yes this is a transition year bringing in julio jones would not be what we would think of as a transition move that would be a win now move and ryan kerrigan is a win now move but you're right it was so relatively inexpensive you can't knock it and no. i'm quite happy to have ryan kerrigan on this eagle squad coming up this year yeah if howie roseman needs to hear from somebody just to laser focus what he's doing during this offseason, which is still ongoing, he should probably call Ruben Amaro because Ruben did the same thing. Just kept trying to stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. They stayed with it after their championship run. And yeah, it got him a whole bunch of playoff appearances, but never got him another World Series. And then they paid for it in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and now in 2021. Because yeah, sometimes it's pretty difficult to get out of that hole if you do go for it too long uh but uh, i digress you mentioned carson wentz and the price that the eagles are paying this year somebody did tweet me i think it was over the weekend on sunday it was uh because they know that <laughs> i was one of those who jumped on the we need to move on from carson yes wentz you were line. you I were was one fan. of the few by the way i I'll like Car- credit for that I like Carson Wentz, and I thought Carson Wentz, uh, hey, uh, when you're right, you're right. When you're wrong, you're wrong. you got to step up and admit it. I was wrong about Carson Wentz. I thought he was going to have a good year. When the few dissenters started to pile on early in the season, which, by the way, yesterday, I watched the NFL Network when you and I are on the air. It's on in the background. The volume's down, so I don't really watch it. But I get to catch yeah. a little of good morning football before you and I come on. Um uh, so it's on when I get off the air. Do you know what they were re-airing yesterday? I hadn't changed the channel. Last year's Eagles Redskins season opener. Ooh. And I had completely forgotten that the Eagles were up 17, 17 to nothing. Yeah, Dallas Goddard, 20-some-odd-yard touchdown grab in the second quarter to put them up 17 nothing. They Man, look great. That- they look great early. That game fell apart like you re- talk about a house of cards. Uh, yeah. And Carson Wentz was part of that. Uh, but that week, I didn't blame Carson Wentz. Come on, all right, he didn't do the, the, the second half ball. Uh, he'll be fine. He's Carson Wentz. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And at some point in the season, I had to say, it's not just 
the offensive line. It's not just Doug Peterson's play calling. It's not just the fact that the receiving core wasn't uh, built up good enough during the offseason. It's Carson not being able to make plays and accurately throw the ball and make a big play in a big spot. So I had to admit that Carson Wentz wasn't playing like I thought Carson Wentz would. And yeah, he got so bad. I say he needs to be replaced. I would have gone to Jalen Hurts at least a week before, if not two weeks before. So yes, the Carson Wentz defenders, who I was one of for a period of time and got off that train, uh, are still ticked off at me that I did get off the Carson train. But you got to call it the way you see it. So one of those guys decided to tweet me this weekend. They enclosed, and I forget what betting outlet it was. Could have been FanDuel. Could have been DraftKings. I don't remember who it was. Uh, but it was one of the uh, major uh, betting outlets. Posting odds for NFL Comeback Player of the Year. And one of the favorites already at this time is none other than Carson Wentz. And he tweeted me along the lines. Uh, yeah, here you, you want to make some money, Jody, get back on that Carson bandwagon. Comeback player of the year this year, Carson Wentz. And I knew that it was just him pimping me and giving me a hard time and trolling. And I get it. And that's what Twitter's yeah. all about. And I read it and I roll my eyes and I move on. But it, it was a decent point. Here's the reason why Carson Wentz can actually win comeback player of the year, John. Tell me if you agree or not. He was so friggin' bad last year. Yeah. He doesn't have to be all that good this year to be comeback player of the year. Well, by the way, I, I don't even think he should be comeback player of the year, no matter what he does, even if he's an all-pro, simply because that that award should be somebody coming back from an you know an ACL tear like uh uh Nick Bosa or somebody of that nature. Uh somebody who's overcoming something, not playing poorly. Uh, playing so disastrously, people are saying, oh, he's going to make a big comeback from the depths he fell to. I don't even think he should be involved in that conversation. I know he will be, though, because it's a quarterback, and if he plays well, he will be at the top of that. So if you do win some money, that's probably a decent bet if you do want to win some money. But I don't even think he should be in the conversation. He benched himself, Jody. He benched himself. And the fact he's angry, I mean, this team gave him more rope than than he deserved. Oh, yeah. Uh, on field, not, you know, off the field, we can have a different discussion. Right. And I, I, I disagree with you about the comeback status. If you were really bad, if you were really good at one point and it became really bad and became really good again, yeah, that to me is a comeback play. Well, I got yeah, no problems with I got, I, I, I think it's a different award. It depends on your definition. I right. think it's for somebody overcoming somebody, like a Nick Bosa. Now, but I'll use that as an example because I think that's one of the best players in football overall. Uh, Nick Bosa, I think he carried the 49ers to the Super Bowl. That's how dominant he was. Um, if he has a great year, and I expect him to, and Carson has a great year. Guess what? Carson's going to win because he's a quarterback. Uh, yeah, that's quarter just how how it works. And I, yeah, I I think Nick Bosa is more of a comeback, but that's my definition. Right. Our different. Our definitions don't align because I actually think it's more comebackish. Love when we can create words here on Birds Three Sixty Five uh, to come back from lousy play than it is an injury. But again, you know, they, they list them for you and you picked out the one that you think is going to happen and good luck trying to make some money. Uh, all right, coming up next here on Birds 365, 
our buddy Chris Franklin, MedJ.com is going to hop aboard. He, like uh, uh, our buddy Johnny Mack here, was down at the gathering that the Eagles had in South Philadelphia yesterday. <laughs> we'll talk about what the birds are showing. Not a lot, uh, but at least a good majority of them are showing up for this offseason here in 2021. We appreciate you tuning in on this Wednesday get-together on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Appreciate you tuning in to Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Uh, quick programming note before we punch up our first guest of the day. Uh, Birds 365 is going to acknowledge the Memorial Day weekend. And again, uh, please say a prayer for all our lost sober, uh, servicemen over all these years. At some point during the weekend, we will. We're going to be off on Friday and Monday. Nice long weekend. For Birds 365, next week we'll get it going underway on Tuesday. We'll be here tomorrow, uh, but just want to let you guys know ahead of time, no Birds 365 
this upcoming Friday or the following Monday. But we're glad to be here right now, and we're glad to be joined by Chris Franklin from NJ.com, who spent quality time on the grass yesterday with John McMullen. Chris, thanks for hopping on board. How you doing, bud? Doing great, Jody. John, thank you guys so much for having me on. It was nice to actually see football again. It, it yeah. was fun. <laughs> Did we see football, though, Chris? We saw a, a remnant of football and jerseys. Yeah, you know, I saw, saw something flying around a couple times, you yeah. know, but that's about it when it came to that. <laughs> we got to see Devontae Smith play tetherball, which is interesting. <laughs> I, I like the tetherball contraption. Who, who knew that? I know Nick Sirianni said he wanted to see some competition, but who knew they'd bring some schoolyards? I mean, they had rock, paper, scissors already. <laughs> right. I mean, you had a tetherball. Why not, why not add that? You hopscotch is next, probably. So who knows? <laughs> and uh, you, again, we know that these are not offense versus defense drills. They are what they are. And you take what you can out of them. I would think that one of the things you're trying to judge, and you guys limited time in front of those guys, is just attitude. Are the guys happy to be there? A couple of veterans didn't show, like Fletcher Clark, Brandon Graham. But everyone else was pretty much in the house. Did it seem like an upbeat attitude? Were the guys happy to be there and spending the quality time in the gathering? Or were, okay, yeah, we kind of negotiated this with the union. We're supposed to be here, even though, quote, unquote, it's voluntary. Uh, what did you get as far as attitude while watching the guys do what they did? I thought most of the guys looked like they were pretty much into it. I mean, I even saw that one little interaction when the quarterbacks were working out, and you saw Jalen Hurts go over Joe Flacco, pat him on the shoulder a little bit, and like they were having a good time. So I wonder. I think that they are engaged, and I think they're. I think they like the camaraderie a lot of it when it comes to some of the install. I mean, it's better than being out there in the zooms, but you know, on zooms and doing stuff like that, learning the offense. But it looks like they're engaged at least so i think that's that's a plus and that's a good building block going forward heading toward training camp yeah chris one thing we talk to these guys all the time that everybody to a man mentions the energy of this coaching staff i think it's real i think it's evident these guys and i think it was targeted by jeffrey Lurie for whatever reason everybody's got a shelf life in the nfl maybe it was time for doug peterson i don't necessarily agree with it but do you see that, the energy of this coaching staff out there? Because it kind of stands out to me. Oh, yeah. they're jump, You're jumping around. You see them jumping into drills. I mean, you see Nick Sirianni working with running backs. He's go, He's trying to make them juke one way, tell them how to get out. You see all these coaches getting involved. And you saw you see it from time to time when it comes to these position drills. But when you see somebody using that much energy involved, say, hey, you know what? He's going to juke to the left and really get it on them. I think you really do see that a lot. And you hear it when you – Talk to a lot of when we talk to a lot of guys. I mean, you hear them say they're really impressed with the energy. I think it's really starting to bleed onto the practice field. Chris, uh, when Jonathan Gettin had his first media availability last week, he said something that I liked a lot. Uh, I've <laughs> always believed that the best coaches don't have a stone cold philosophy, and they're going to make the players fit the way that they think things should go that there's got to be some flexibility in there where you tinker with your philosophy and your system and your scheme to fit the talent that you do or don't have on your roster. And Jonathan Gannon said just that. What can he learn about the talent that he does have and uh, their abilities and capabilities with these quote-unquote drills that they're doing now? Or do we have to wait until camp actually opens uh, next month when they can actually start to uh, come up with fits for a potential scheme or a system on defense? 
well, was a, well, hymns are saying that it begins a far cry from the Chip Kelly years where you see see what happened. But I think a lot of stuff. I, I don't think a, you wrote really truly know. I think to see that seven oh seven and eleven oh elevens because I think you build a lot of chemistry, and you start to feel how guys play off of each other, and especially in the secondary where you start if you know some one guy's going to jump on one route or another one. So it's not so much that you can learn a little bit, but I think a lot of it's going to be relying on tape and just guys physical talents to see if they have speed to play from certain position going from one to another but it might be a little bit before you can see that i mean it's and even then when they finally install it might take a couple games into the season to finally see these guys feel comfortable enough and then go for and be at the best of ability so i think that's where they're at right now with it now chris kind of piggybacking off jody's question but the offensive side of the ball we got to talk to jalen rager after practice now i want to i want to get your thoughts on this because i took it one way he kind of said i'm going to play a lot in the slot and then to me backtracked really quickly and said "Uh uh-oh i probably shouldn't have said that (laughs) did you get that feeling or or am i making too much out of that i saw a little bit and also I also thought when he said he wanted them to learn all the different sp- a lot all the different yeah. receiver positions. I thought that was key as well too because yeah. that was almost a way to say, "Hey, you know what? Oh, slot. Oh, wait, you know what? Well, <laughs> we all are going to be like X off way to Z. Yeah. Also. So they shift around, shifting when I'm coming that. I for him, I think the slot's not a bad spot for him to be I at. Think, I think he's going to be there a lot. Yeah. I really do. And using his speed, everybody knows his speed and. If they use a lot of these quick screens and him and the balls get swung out to him quickly in the slot, that that fits perfectly for him. He's got the speed, he's got the agility to use. So if he's in the slot a lot, I think that benefits him a little bit more. And you have Smith, who's able to get off the line and use his quickness and his abilities to break press coverages. So I think that's forever. I think it helps Smith, and I think it helps Ray. See, I read that completely differently because – uh, to me, him stating I'm going to play in the slot, and oh, uh, but we'll be playing everywhere because all the wide receivers will be playing everywhere. I read into directly into that. Oh, wait a minute! In the slot, I've got to compete against Greg Board, the leading Eagle receiver <laughs> last year, the top touchdown receiver Ward, right? for the Eagles <laughs> last year. Whereas outside, I'll be competing with JJ Arcega Whiteside. So, uh, yeah, okay, may- maybe I better skim that back a little bit. For my own good, so that uh, everyone knows what perspective I'm looking at this upcoming season. Now, Rager's going to play where Rager's going to play, and he's a former first-round draft pick. So if that is a good position for him, he's going to get a lot of slot time, which is exactly the way uh, Nick Sirianni and Shane Sykin should be looking at going into this season. He seemed pretty buddy-buddy with uh, the newest Eagle wide receiver, Devonta Smith, and that they are looking at this as a one-two combo is Jalen Hurts in sync with that? Is it these three young guys coming together to make it a prolific passing game? I think so. I mean, Rager went down to Texas to work out with Hurts to get acclimated with him, and then we know, all know the history when it came to Smith and Hurts at Alabama. So it's important to build that chemistry early. I think you have to look at – it's all going to fall on Hurts. I mean, to be honest, you know, we know what – we know what Smith is able to do. I think when you look at, I think it's going to translate well to the NFL. And when you, if it hurts, is able to build upon his passing abilities, his foot looks. I mean, granted, we only saw most of the footwork in some of the, uh, uh, like a little bit of throwing, but his footwork looks a lot better. It's light years from when he first came in last year. If he's able to 
expound upon that and, and become an even better passer in the NFL ranks, this offense, I think, can be surprised a lot of people as, as the season goes on. You know, it's interesting, Chris, when I look at quarterbacks in this league, especially young quarterbacks, you can kind of figure out, okay, this guy can play. This guy can throw the football. This guy uh, can move uh, in the pocket. He can extend plays. He can do this. He can do that. Your concerns are usually about the intangibles, about the leadership, about uh, people following him. I don't have any concerns with Jalen Hurts when it comes to the intangibles. Everybody loves the guy. Everybody gravitates towards him. Everybody follows him. It's almost weird because he's so young and he's got such a maturity. And I use Jalen Rager. You know, that's probably the perfect example. They're both 22 years old. And Jalen uses that term rat poison for social media and just stays away from it. And Jalen has had an issue, which we talked to him about, about Jalen Rager. I'm talking about two Jalens. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes he combats people on Twitter. You shouldn't do that. I mean, it's just, it's affected him. You can see it. Hopefully he's learned from it. Hopefully he'll leave it in the past. But getting back to Jalen Hurts, it's amazing. Like, I have no concerns over the intangible stuff. It's just the on-field stuff. Can he be accurate enough? In the, at, at the NFL level? I think he can develop into that over time. And I think he also had a small sample size. He, we saw him get significant snaps against the first or against opposing first team's defense in those four games. And I forget I this story back last year at one point, looking back at it. And you see the first four games were comparable to Russell Wilson, the way in the amount of yards when he came to him out touchdowns, even the interceptions. So the more experience I think he gets seeing these defenses in live action, it can get better. I think the only thing I'm a little worried about is his deep ball. That's the if they go more and more vertical. I think, and if he's developed that and fixed that, I think it'd be okay. His I mentioned this earlier, his footwork was a little he was thrown off his back foot a lot when he first got in, and that really concerned me. But he was like he's got that down. So if he continue, if this offensive line could protect him. If he feels comfortable, we know his ability to run outside the pocket. If he's able to step into the ball and, and throw it downfield and find those throwing lanes, because he's not the biggest guy. So if he can find those throwing lanes, I think he could develop into a guy, a quarterback that I'm not going to say, I don't think he's top 10-ish but right now, but I think he could develop into like a top 12, top 13 type of guy. And, that, and with the offensive pieces around him, I think that's all you need for the moment. Chris, let me tell you a, a comparable story to something you guys dealt with yesterday that I dealt with, oh, more than a decade ago uh, that is much like the Eagles situation now. John just told me before the show started, damn, Joe Flacco can still throw the football. That uh, He's still got a solid arm on him. He might not be the quarterback that won the Super Bowl years ago, but damn, he can still spin it. Uh, I remember being at Jet Camp years ago, and the Jets were grooming uh, their, their young quarterback, uh, Chad Pennington, uh, to take over and be their guy. And Vinny Testaverde was still on the roster. And Vinny could just throw it. He had one of the best arms I've ever seen live, just purely off the ear, cock it, 30 yards on a line. And you watch these two guys work out in drills, and you go, wait a minute, we're going to start that guy rather than this guy here? Just because one could throw it so much better. And to Pennington's credit, he took the competition. He loved it. He and Vinny actually got along really well, and he knew it was his time. He knew he was going to be given the chance, 
and he used it to motivate himself. We're in a similar situation here in Philadelphia this year. We know Jalen Hurts is the guy. We know that's what the Eagles want. Although the coach refuses to call him the starter, we all believe he's going to be the starter. Uh, and Flacco will be the backup here. Can Hurts take the kind of pressure? It's just the visual thing that you do in practice from a guy, a strong-armed veteran backup. Can he take that and use that? I think so. And, and, and I think it's also the ability, his leg ability helps the office a lot more. I mean, you see the arm, you see Flacco's arm, and, and there's no thing. It's strong. He, he was putting some things on his zips, like flat footy yesterday. I was like, okay, yeah, this guy can still play a little <laughs> bit. But even even if Hurts doesn't have that strong of an arm as Flacco, he can do so much, so many other things. Well, I mean, his threat, his threat of running just opens up this offense completely. I mean, it opens up running lanes. I think if you do look at the read option ability that Hurts can can provide provide with Miles Sanders, that opens up running lanes. So I don't think he has to focus necessarily on, hey, you know what, this guy's a strong arm because we've seen so many guys and Christian Ponder, hmm. stuff like guys like that. Yeah. You see the arms, stuff like that. I mean, not putting yeah. Flacco compared to Flacco to Ponder, but it, when you could just see somebody's arm, you go, oh, wow, this guy's arm can, and you know that. But I think he can. He adds so much, so many elements to his game that you. He won't have to worry about Flacco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I just brought up Joe because, you know, we were talking about the coaches, Chris, jumping into drills, and Shane Steichen was jumping into some of those quarterback drills. Yeah. And the poor guy's catching slants. And I'm like, oh, oh he's going to get a dislocated <laughs> finger catching, <laughs> catching Joe's. But yeah, he's like a, he's 6'6, 245. He's like a power pitcher in baseball. But it takes other things to play the position. And at his age and his inability to get out of the pocket, extend plays, I don't think it's a competition at all, but uh, he could still still sling it, though. I will yeah. say that. I do want to bring up corner because Darius Slay was not there. Um, no big deal. But it does make you noticeable. I'm, I'm watching the cornerbacks were on the far field, and I'm watching the rotations, and Abonte Maddox is the – cornerback one through all the rotations i mean if you could think about forget about a serious injury we wish serious injury on no one but you can imagine if abonte maddox sprains his ankle before the season opener in atlanta julio jones isn't traded yeah julio calvin ridley Kyle uh, pitts and abonte maddox is your cornerback one can this team go into this season without adding maybe multiple bodies at cornerback they need another veteran one, and Steven Nelson is still. I, 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 I if I'm Steve, I know Steven Nelson's playing it right, making people yeah. bait, bait and, and driving his price up. And also, if I'm, I think he's the number one, he's got to be the number one target for them because right now, I, I still see Maddox as still an inside guy. He's a, yeah. he, he mentioned yesterday, like when we were talking to him, he, he's using his eyes more to improve and get to the right spots. And he's working on some things and the team seems to be, by the way, the moves that the team's made so far, it seems like they're comfortable with him being an outside corner. I just personally think he's a little bit better on the inside. And if you add a guy like Nelson on the outside, it just makes that secondary a lot better. So they still do need to add some pieces. I mean, Zach McPherson is still unknown. We haven't seen him in, in an actual game himself right now, and for all we know, he could be good. But he's still a rookie, and rookies, uh, rookie cornerbacks tend to struggle early. So they they still need to add, a, in my 
I mean, they, they need to go after Nelson and do whatever they can to get him because if not, it's going to be that that, mat, that opening day matchup could be really, really, yeah. really tough. I mean, I look at Jeffrey Okuda from last season. I think he was the third overall pick, and he struggled mightily. Yeah. And I see people, you know, God bless them for the optimism, thinking Zach McPherson as a fourth-round pick can go out there and, and play at a high level as a rookie. I, I how he says hope is not a strategy. That is not a strategy in my <laughs> estimation. It, it's it's really because it, all it's going to take is the first double move, and then the last. You don't want to lose the, the guy to lose confidence early on, and then it just snowballs. So they have to get another another setting force and and another name. I'm I'm shocked. I don't think he would come back, but Nikel Roby Coleman's still sitting out there too. He's still, I, yeah. I don't think he'd be the number one option, but if it gets closer to the season, you don't still have a veteran corner. You may have to bring him back for at least for another year just to see, just to shore up some things. So, it's, it's Do tough. you think, and this is pure speculation, none of us really know, so I'm asking you guys to uh, look into your football crystal ball a little bit here. Um, we, we're going to continue to debate how much input the coaching staff, mostly the head coach, is going to have on who's going to play. Uh, we know that the general manager is going to be in consultation with who's going to be active, who's going to be on the roster on any given Sunday. But when the game is ongoing, you're hoping that the coaching staff is making the decision as to who's going to play. We don't know that yet with the relationship between Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman. Do you think rookies will be given that big-time shot this year? Because it is a transition year. The owner did tell us that. The Eagles did make the draft picks that they made, and they were Howie draft picks. How do you think, for a rookie coach, rookie status will impact who is or isn't going to play for the Birds this year? I think he'll have – I think they will see a lot of the young guys get some a lot of playing time early. And the reason to say that is, especially with all those picks, if they don't make the move to get the big-name quarterback like Deshaun Watson use all those picks next year – yeah, they have a bunch of first rounds. I want to. I think they were want to see what they have, and and then start to build. Really, really use all those assets to build for the next year. Overall, if I had to put the crystal ball in there, I think Nick Sirianni will have a lot of say early, and then I think over time you may start to see more. Hey, you know, I think you need to go ahead and a little more. Of a lot more phone calls from the front office as the season goes on. I think we need to go ahead and put yeah. this guy in to see it because I see it. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So I, I think there, I think th- there will be a lot of playing time with these young guys. You know, Chris, you brought up the name, so I'm going to have to go down this road to Sean Watson. Um, I I thought about it from Jalen Hurts' perspective. Look, he's going to be the starting quarterback of this team. We just talked about it. Um, I think people are going to be surprised uh, by the Eagles if the offensive line stays healthy. But long term, you talk about those three likely first-round picks, two right now, likely to become three. All the money they're going to have by taking the the harsh medicine on the Carson Wentz contract. They can go get any quarter, quarterback they want next offseason. Can Jalen Hurts do anything this season to take that off the table if somebody like Deshaun Watson 
becomes available, becomes free, becomes free of the legal implications. That's a top five player. That's a top five quarterback. Can he do anything to say, oh, we're not going to look at Deshaun Watson if we're the Philadelphia Eagles? If he's able to make this offense into a top 10 offense and he shows that he continues to improve, especially late later in the season and the team is somehow within probably say in a wild card hunt, I think he could. I think he can I think he has the tools necessary. I think he has the tools to be a, a really good quarterback in this league. And if he's able to be in the top ten, I think if that offense is a top ten and it shows a lot of promise, you can look to use those assets elsewhere. Now if he comes out flat and the offense sputters and you start you make some questionable decisions and you're wondering like well hey, you wonder why he's thrown into double coverage all the time and he's lead among the league leaders in offense, or say he has a Carson Wentz type year last year, then I don't think I think the calls are gonna go a lot greater and then they're looking to bring in bring in Watson. They'll have Houston on speed dial trying to talk in the offseason. But I think if if he's able to if that offense is is really humming during the season, I think uh Howie Roseman and the rest of that front office are gonna look to use those assets elsewhere. And I like the way that you stated it. If the offense is top 10, because part of the evaluation is certainly going to be his own passer rating and his numbers. But if the offense is moving and he's the guy who's running it, I think he should get credit for it. But for that to be the case, others are going to have to step up. Certainly the running game, Miles Sanders, uh, guys ability to make plays uh, above and beyond the quarterback. Um, Part of that is the tight end position. And I know he was also somewhat conspicuous by his absence yesterday. And that's Zach Ertz. Um, nothing is certainly going to be decided at this point uh, till a week from now when we get to that June 1st designation. And any move the Eagles make will be an easier pill to swallow as far as the salary cap goes. Uh, did you? Did anyone mention Zach Ertz yesterday? Is he just a out-of-sight, out-of-mind guy? Or do you think there is the chance that the Eagles will still say, well, Zach, we're going to have a camp. And then the word mandatory will be attached. And you will be expected to show up, even if you're not happy about it. Uh, was was anyone contemplating Zach Ertz yesterday? No, I think everybody was trying to figure out see if if uh, Jack Stoll was going to be was was a good uh, backup ready to go. And it, 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 it was weird it, to be honest. It was weird not to see him out there. We, I mean, everybody knew the situation, but it's just it was just different because so, so many years you look and feel. Hey, there's 86 right there, but it. I think it mandatory. I think he even, I think he still sits out even if it's mandatory. I think the time is, I think he really is done in Philadelphia. And the only way I see it, the only way I probably see it, him coming back is if no team whatsoever decides to offer, offer anything to the Eagles. And I think even if Zach went out and talked to, hey, you know what, we try to work these deals out. And he comes back and the Eagles pull me call, hey, we're sorry. We're just, this sorry this happened, and but I don't foresee that happen. I really think he he played his last snap here in Philadelphia. Chris, um, I think the biggest competition for this team when training camp starts, and by the way, that's official. It's going to be July twenty seventh. League is doing a whole league wide thing, so just about everybody is starting on the same day. But um, it's going to be left tackle. It's going to be Jordan Mailata. It's going to be Andre Dillard. I know the fans want Jordan to have the job. I know the fans don't like Andre Dillard. I get heat for saying he's not the worst person 
in the world on a daily basis. Um, how do you see that shaping up? Jordan has tremendous physical ability, but he's still raw. He's still, even though he's this will be his fourth year in, I mean, he was starting from ground zero. Is Andre Dillard uh, going to be the left tackle of this team or Jordan Mailata? I think Jordan Mailata is, and I say it for one factor, one main factor. I mean, both are athletic. Both can get out in space and both have the, both are developing their technique. But I think the one thing that Mylotta has that Dillard doesn't have is that nastiness you need in the offensive lineman. If you're going to be the if you're going to be the left tackle, the guy that's tasked with protecting the quarterback's blind side, you need to have that nastiness, that that edge that stops you from they say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to let you go by. I'm not going to let you beat me. I'm going to take the fight to you. And I saw that a lot more in Mylotta than when Dillard was in there. And not to say that Dillard doesn't have that heart. But I see Maialata, it just seems like he has that extra intangible to when he comes to playing that left tackle spot. And if the Eagles can somehow get, I, I mean, I, I don't think Dillard, I think if, if that happens, they have to move Dillard in some way because I don't think we, we saw what happened when Dillard went to the right tackle spot. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that was kind of, yeah. So you're going to have to move him. And I mean, there's value in left tackle. Maybe he goes somewhere else and he has a, he, he has, he, redeveloped his career and it flourishes again, but I'd probably give the edge to my lot right now. Maybe that's how you get a cornerback. People hey, don't think about perfect. the trade market. Flip yeah. a left tackle for a cornerback. And left tackle has a lot of value too. Yeah. So yeah, that, that that's a good way to bring them in. Good point. Well, the Eagles can put themselves in the best position by both of those guys playing well in the preseason and the decision coming down. If they're going to wait till then, uh, my guess would be it would be late in the preseason right before the season starts. Uh, but the other team is going to want to do it earlier to get him up to speed. We'll have to see how that, that shakes out. Uh, I need your opinion on the aggressiveness of this Eagles de- defense. This is something John and I have discussed uh, previously on the show. I've been in town watching the birds longer than either of you two guys. I think I know what Eagle fans like to see. On the defense side of the ball, they want aggression. They want sacks. They want hard hits, too, which is not really part of the National Football League anymore. So they've already had that taken away from them. So Eagle fans just want to see sacks. Reggie White would bring the house up at the vet as much as Randall Cunningham ever did because this is a defense-crazed town, always has been, always will be. That's why I like the Ryan Kerrigan signing because I do believe he will get sacks and it will get the hometown crowd excited (laughs) on days that the Eagles are playing down in South Philly. The way the defensive coordinator is going to deploy his players certainly fits into that. Uh, Johnny Mack was a bigger Schwartz fan than I was. I thought he was a good defensive coordinator. John thought he was better than good, top guy, and one of the top guys in the league. I don't want to speak for Johnny. He can speak for himself in a second, but he's a bigger Schwartz fan than I was um, because I'm not sure he was as aggressive as I wanted to see or I thought Eagle fans wanted to see. Is Gannon going to be aggressive? Is he going to be a bring-the-house guy, blitz on most obvious downs, bring it from everywhere, corner, safety, linebackers, and the like? How do you think his defense is going to play on third and long? I, he said he likes to he, he, he likes to mix them up, but I really like it. If he's from the true Zimmer school of defense, I'm really excited to see how he uses that double-A gap blitz. And how the two linebackers coming up the middle and threatening to go, and because it just creates so much chaos for the center and the quarterback, whoever's whoever signing those offensive line protections, because they're look 
your quarterback, you're looking like, okay, I have to worry about these two linebackers coming up the quickest way possible up the middle. And then, oh, yeah, since that they're coming up that way and the line adjusts, then you have the defensive ends. You have Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, or Ryan Kerrigan coming from the outside. I, I mean, they. I think they could still get a lot of pressure from their front four, but I wouldn't be surprised if they blitz those linebackers a little bit more. And I think we see Jacoby Stevens well too. I mean, he's. We. I think if he gets, if he proves himself that he could play a lot, and him being like that in that, that quasi big nickel coming in at the linebacker, you have him come with his speed coming possibly off. There's so many combinations they can do. So I think Gannon definitely will be aggressive. I still think Schwartz was a good and, and, and I know it's going off a little bit. I still think Schwartz was a good defensive coordinator. I mean, the ultimate goal of the defense is to stop people and not let them score points, and he was able to do that. I think Gannon, if Gannon's able to do that and be aggressive, I think he'll be beloved in this town. So I think I think we'll see a lot of I think we will see a lot of aggression out of Gannon. All right, last one from me, Chris. Thanks for joining the show. Read Chris and NJonline.com, also with other friend of the show, Mike K. Uh, but to follow it up on, on, on Gannon and, you know, Mike Zimmer and that philosophy, my concern, and I love, I love the A-gap blitz. I love the overload blitz that Zimmer uses, but he's using Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. He's not using Alex Singleton and Eric Wilson. When he did use Eric Wilson last year, didn't work too well because Anthony Barr wasn't in there. Um Aggression can work both ways. And the one thing is if you blitz and you don't get there, all of a sudden that back end with no cornerbacks is left <laughs> open. So from Jody's perspective, from my perspective, I think we're going to see more cover two and cover three than anything from Jonathan Gannon. You can see that, but also when it comes to this, I think a lot a lot of these guys being more speed guys, under guys, and fast guys, I think he can compensate sometimes. So if you have you can you still run a cover two and, and, and on the back end and, and protect the safety safety's protected and going man on the outside. I think you can still so you, you can, there's little ways you can go ahead and disguise it and, and 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 utilize it. But even if you don't get home, I think these the linebackers are secondary, they have enough speed and, and to keep up with some of these receivers now. If they're able to do that, I mean the outside guys I worry about. The inside guys, I don't I'm not worried about so much. I, I worry about those outside receivers when they're going to the on there, but I think even if they still blitz, I think they'll. They, I think they yeah. this this front set, the front four, and if you go seven with the blitz, I think they can get there. But the back end, it's, it's going to be know, the, see. the brilliance of of John Gannon. I think it's going to be, and this is just my, you know, Sean McVay calls it offensively the illusion of compl- complexion. I think defensively, it's going to be the illusion of aggression. He's actually going to be less aggressive, but fans are going to think he's more aggressive because he's going to show those A-gap a and and overload looks, whereas Jim didn't. But I think on the back end, he's going to be really, really safe about it. But that's just my prediction. <laughs> we'll, we'll certainly see how it uh, plays out. All right, Chris, let's finish here. Week one of the regular season, the Eagles will be down in Hotlanta. Julio Jones will be in Falcon black and red, Eagle white and green, (laughs) or somewhere else in the National Football League uh, come week one with another squad. I think it'll be Patriot blue. 
virtually. Okay. <laughs> I think it, I like yeah, the Patriots turn their roster upside down during this offseason. Why not add a Julio Jones while you're at it? That would make a lot of sense. Chris, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. You know, we'll have you on again. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guy. Thank you guys so much. A lot of fun. Appreciate it. Have Thanks, a great uh, Memorial Day weekend. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We'll come back, set up hour number two of the show, which will include an appearance from Mike Garofolo, Philly guy from the NFL Network. He'll join us a little later here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. He would be John McMullen. I would be Jody McDonald. That makes us the Mac and Mac guys. This is Birds 365. Still got an hour left to go on this Wednesday edition. Appreciate uh, Chris Franklin hopping on with us, uh, talking all things Birds. Down there at the gathering yesterday. Mm-hmm. How many of you guys were actually down there, uh, J-Mac? Uh, I'm going to say about 20 or so. A little, little bit. I'm going to say 15 to 20 or so. 
Nick Sirianni said hello to all of us. A little dap for all of us again. So he's smart from that perspective. He understands where his bread can be buttered via the media. By By the way, Jody, I I heard something about Zach Ertz that uh, is a little bit problematic. Really? uh, uh, For me. Uh, for a couple reasons, and it ties into the Jalen Rager slot thing as well. We we heard, and look, coach speak is coach speak. Ultimately, and again, I haven't written about this because it's only one source, but it's it's the radio, it's streaming. We can we can throw some things out there, but and it's a one sided source. So, Sack um, was told um, if he is if he does come back. Um, he's going to be the second tight end, which doesn't surprise me. Dallas Goddard's going to be the top tight end. And he, w- and he was given supposedly a, a percentage of snaps about 35% of the time, 30, 35% of the time he'll be on the field, which is another reason he doesn't want to be here. Um, my concern from the Eagles perspective is the whole you know, we're going to take advantage of the players. We're going to build the offense around the the strengths of the players. Guess what, Jody? If Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz are here, well, your two tight ends are better than your three receiver look. Yeah. I say it all the time. Doug Peterson didn't want to play two tight ends. People think he wanted to play 12 personnel. No, he played 12 personnel because those were his best players. Right. Now, it... Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. If this coaching staff, if that's true, and it's a big if, I'm not saying it's completely true. If that's true, that concerns me. And then the second part was Jalen Rager saying, I'm going to play in the slot before backtracking a little bit, which, by the way, I think he should. That's where I think he would be, like Chris said, the most successful. I think that's the spot you could take advantage of his strengths more. But again, we've heard this lip service of, interchangeable parts, taking advantage of this, just a little bit, throw that in the mix, a little bit of an early concern for me. If uh, your source is good, and you know how good your source is, that said these conversations have been had, and I will at least give the Eagles as much credit, uh, the best policy is always honesty as far as I'm concerned. And if they truly believe that's in from afar, big picture thing, they think Zach Ertz's position on the team would be if he were in and accepting of the fact that he's an Eagle and giving it 100% that they figure he's going to be on the field about 35% of the time. That's he deserves to know that he should know that ahead of time. Probably not what he wanted to hear. Zach Ertz, I'm sure has still a top flight evaluation of Zach Ertz, despite the fact that his numbers were down last year, kind of like Carson Wentz. Uh, Well, why were the numbers down? Everything but it was me. Same thing with uh, Zach Ertz. Zach, why were your numbers down? Oh, everything but me. Don't look (laughs) at me. Look at everything else but. So he probably isn't going to be happy when he hears that 35% number. Is he going to do better than that elsewhere? 
if he is either traded or uh, is released and then signs a free agent contract, is he still a 65, 70% of the time on the field snaps kind of guy? Boy, I think so. I, I mean, it's tough to project coming off last season. I think if he's healthy, I yeah, I mean, this is one of the greatest, and I say that in all seriousness, this is one of the greatest pass receiving tight ends in NFL history. Um, yeah, I think he's savvy enough and smart enough to be a tight end one in this league, especially because so few real, there's so few real old school tight ends. So the fact that he's not a great blocker, he's never been a great blocker. I think you get over that pretty quickly. I think everybody around the league knows their tight ends aren't going to be great blockers. So yeah, I think he's going to play a lot. Depends. We'll see where he ultimately ends up. I don't think it's going to be here. That's pretty consistent. I've been, everybody's been pretty consistent. I think he's moved on. I do find the number, that's my biggest concern. I find it hard to believe the coaching staff said, you're going to play 30. They don't know. No coaching staff. So I find it hard to believe that they would throw out that number. That's one of my concerns. Um, but it is I, I, it is a little bit weird when you add it into Jalen Rager's comments of, you know, I think there's been this narrative that, that Doug Peterson is very stuck in his ways and that this coaching staff is young and innovative and different, and they're just going to look at what they have. And I got to tell you, Jody, at the end of the day, they're going to be like every other coaching staff. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. They're going to, they're going to say, this guy does this well, this guy does this well, this guy's playing here, this guy's playing here. I believe that from day one, I continue to believe it. Two things. Number one, uh, your source, and I know you're not going to reveal your source here or anywhere else for that uh, matter. Um, you made it sound like the information of 35% was coming more from a coaching standpoint than a front office slash executive standpoint. Is that the case? No, it's coming. It's, it, it, it's coming. Well, how do, how do I phrase this? It's not coming from a coach. I can say that. I find it, in fact, that's one of my issues with it. I find it very hard to believe a coach would talk like that. A coach would hamstring himself into saying, oh, this guy's going to play 35% of the snaps. Where I think there's validity to it. And, you know, people, you and I can have a conversation, come out of it with two different stories. Um the validity to me is saying Dallas Goddard is going to be the tight end one, no matter we, what, right. which he, I believe, won. which I wholeheartedly believe. And by the way, should be, because he's going to be, he's the one who's going to be here long-term. Um, so he should be. We talk about this transition phase. He should be. My only point about the number is it, 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 it coaches tend not to talk like that. That's why. But the larger and the more important part people should take from this is I think, you know, they aren't going to be interchangeable. Uh, it's going to be, again, what I just said. You do this well, you do this well, you do this well. Let's take advantage of what you do well and play you in these particular spots other than, you know, moving around. 
Now, this is has to be a hypothetical, um, which I, I wish it weren't, but it is. So we'll go to from there. If Zach Ertz just decided to show up today for whatever reason, he decided, uh, you know, I need to play this year and I'm under contract to the Eagles. So, yeah, I got to show up and I got to prove that I had a bad year last year because of injury, because of a lot of other circumstances, not because my game has dropped at all. If that were to happen, isn't the mantra of the head coach competition makes everybody better? Isn't that well, one of his a, basic yeah, tenets? Yeah. It's yeah. competition, so there should be a competition for tight end one, should there not? No, 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 there shouldn't be. Why no, not? There, no, he there isn't. It's all about oh, competition. You and, you and I have been talking you about tell this. tell me the head coach is lying to us already. It's He's only cr- been here a couple months. He's already lying. I, I don't think it's a lie as much as a crock of, you know what, uh, but look, <coughs> there is there is coach speak. We all know there's coach speak, and some people are, are better at obfuscating the coach speak, and I, I think work. Nick is better at that than, say, Doug Peterson. Um, but, yeah, for these people who believe that the 53rd man on the roster, Willie Howard, who just got signed yesterday, has a chance to beat out Fletcher Cox. Look, I got it. I got. I got some real estate in Brooklyn <laughs> to sell you. Yeah, you know, so that's that's very true. But uh, Willie Howard, Fletcher Cox, uh, Zach Gertz, uh, Dallas Scott. There's a little difference between those two combinations, and you, I don't know. Oh, I no, heard it yeah. somewhere. Oh, it might have been right here on Birds 365 within the last 10 minutes. One of the greatest pass-acting tight ends in the history of the National Football League, Zach Ertz. Are you telling me he couldn't beat Dallas Goddard out? But you also heard life isn't in a vacuum, and that's not in a vacuum. And if it were a true competition, yes, I would say. But, you know, either way, Jody, we know Zach Ertz isn't going to be here in 2022. Best-case scenario – is he plays out his contract and he goes somewhere else. Dallas Goddard's going to be here long-term for a transitioning team uh, with a young quarterback. You know, you wouldn't be doing – you would be doing a disservice to this organization to not be moving forward with Dallas Goddard at tight end. All these things enter the equation. That's why this competition stuff is goofy because – it's not real. It's it, it it is a little bit uh, unrealistic. It is a little bit high schoolish because it doesn't take into account age, contracts, money, and all this. As we see all across the league, not just in Philadelphia, these are real problems you have to deal with in the NFL. So it's it's a crock of shit. There, I cursed on. Fair enough. First, I appreciate it. You put a smile on my face. Um, since we're off on this tight end jag, why don't we stay there? Uh, if you are that married to Dallas Goddard, which I'm not saying is a bad thing because Dallas Goddard is a very good player. Shouldn't the Eagles be talking to him about a contract extension? Yeah, Do you want to go down the road year by year by year and then all of a sudden be in a Zach Ertz situation where he's not happy and he wants more money? We know the whole get it done before uh, it becomes something that's imminent is a philosophy the Eagles have used. They bought into younger players and done the earliest possible contract extension. Should they be thinking along those lines with uh, Dallas Goddard? No, probably not. But for two reasons. One, as much uh, 
I think everybody, Pro Football Focus, just graded him as the fifth best tight end of football. I'm talking about Dallas Goddard. Everybody knows he's a good player, but there have been injury issues. He hasn't been on the field at all times. We haven't seen him reach the potential. So that's one. Number two is they just don't have the money right now. And next year, they're going to be flush with money because of Carson Wentz. So you you just simply be honest with Dallas. We're going to take care of you. We don't have the money right now. Next year, we're going to have the money. Now, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Isn't his, like, best friend, uh, Zach Ertz, and you're going to tell him, we're going to take care of you? Didn't the Eagles tell uh, well, Zach Ertz they were going to take care of him, too? How's that worked out? Hey, I don't think they're best friends, but no. I mean, they play the same position. That, that Avante Maddox is Dallas. They live together, so they – uh, that's his roommate. Okay. Uh, that's his best friend on the team. But um, either or, uh, my point being, also Dallas is coming off his rookie deal. So it's tight end. It's not a value position around the NFL. We talked about the Atlanta Falcons and Kyle Pitts. That's one of their strategies. They're getting an X receiver for tight end money uh, in Kyle Pitts. Um, tight end, you can say, worst. We're, if if it comes down to it, you could just franchise it, franchise tag him, and be done. He's not going anywhere, so you have that safety net. The franchise tag is a good safety net. You're right. Um, and backup tight end. Uh, it was intriguing. Somebody put up a picture of it, uh, and I had uh, not given enough thought to the Eagles. It's probably a practice squad spot, but uh, I actually liked. Tyree Jackson as a development quarterback when he was picked a couple of years ago coming out of Buffalo. I watched a couple of his games specifically to see what kind of quarterback he was going to be. And I didn't think he was going to be drafted in the first couple rounds. He surely wasn't. I didn't think he was a star quarterback in the making, but I actually thought he was a developmental guy who, if everything fell right into place, he could become a starting quarterback in the league. Within two years, everybody's given up on that, and nobody wants to give him a shot as a quarterback. And the Eagles have him in camp as a prospect tight end. Yeah. Now, he's a big dude. And, oh, by the way, he's put on about 10 or 15 pounds of muscle from when he used to play quarterback. So he's a bigger dude than he was as a quarterback at the University of Buffalo. Is this kid got a chance to stick? Is he a practice squad guy? Is this just? a training camp exercise, and then Tyree Jackson's going to be elsewhere before the Eagles ever play their first game this season. What is your read on the whole Tyree Jackson as a development tight end for the Eagles? Well, I think it's exactly that. He's a developmental player. So I do think it's a practice squad situation. This is guy changing positions. You're right. He's 6'7", 250. So, I mean, he's huge. He's got more than enough size to play the position. Um, he's only 23, Jody. So I, you know, he hasn't been out of Buffalo that long, uh, university of Buffalo, obviously, you know, he, he was still playing quarterback in the XFL in in 2020 with, I think DC, whatever that team was named. Um, so, you know, he, I, I, to me, it looks like a practice squad guy, at least for year one. But I think everybody looks at to D.C. again in the NFL and the Washington football team and Logan Thomas because Logan Thomas was a good quarterback at Virginia Tech, and now he's a really good tight end 
for the Washington football team, but it took him a while. You know, it's not like a six-month process. It's going to take a little bit of a while. But he is a very Tyree Jackson, very intriguing uh, player for the Eagles. But I think it's more of a practice squad to start type thing. Yeah, and I'm sure the Eagles have not made him available just yet. No. Um, uh, I I actually had him on one of my uh, shows on CBS Sports Radio. You know Ricky Saratella. We have him on. He's yeah. our draft guy. He gets to know the uh, the kids who are eligible for the draft actually pretty well. Uh, gets a chance to talk to them and uh, sets up interviews and stuff like that. And he got Tyree Jackson on my show uh, for me. He set it up for me and, and helped me out, uh, work it out so that he came on. He was a pretty smart kid. That impressed me as much as watching his film at Buffalo, that he, he was a pretty with it young man who knew what he needed to do and uh, seemed motivated and driven and the like. Um, if he's committed himself to become a tight end, I would not be surprised if he can actually pull it off because he wasn't uh, recruited out of high school, uh, ends up at Buffalo, not exactly a football hotbed or factory and he developed to the point where he did actually get drafted. Um, so uh, he showed me a little something-something at the quarterback position. I'm going to be rooting for him at the tight end position this year. I hope he sticks. Minimum practice squad. Uh, but if he actually gets a game or two with the uh, big squad at some point during the season, <clears throat> that could be a guy who uh, is part of the tight end mix going forward. Yeah, I was just looking up Thomas because I think he's the guy. Um you know, Logan is, let's see, well, he's 29 now, so it took him a while. Um, but he caught 72 passes last season. He was really good. Yeah, and remember that big number. <laughs> yeah, he was really good last how, season. How many, how many receivers did the Eagles have who caught 72 passes uh, last year? I believe year? that would be zero. That would be well, do that. So, yeah. yes, uh, that, if you're using him as a – basis of comparison uh that that that'd be a pretty good season but the redskins have always had good tight ends read before him into yeah. logan thomas their system just seems to work for the tight ends the eagle system used to work for the tight end when his name was uh zach Ertz well, and he was yeah, healthy. Mark, oh Mark that's the Mark. other question i wanted to ask you you mentioned Ertz and uh, health and the like how do we know if zach Ertz is healthy he's not going to show up for any of these camps the well, Eagles are going to have I mean, conversations with other teams to try and trade him. I'm sure they're going to ask that same question that Jordan McDonald's asking. Well, what is Zach Ertz's health actually like right now? Do you think he'll go and make himself available to teams if they want to see him? Is Zach doing any video stuff, getting his workouts on videotape that can be sent to other teams? How the hell do we know how healthy this guy is? Well, I think the bigger concern is age and tread on the tire. I mean, if you're a team that's looking at Zach Ertz, I mean, he's 30 now, so he's on the wrong side of 30. Um, like last year, the injury was the ankle, the high ankle sprain. So, I mean, that I don't think is a huge concern uh, for teams. He's obviously healthy from that. I think if you go back to 2019, um, the broken rib, the lacerated kidney, those were more serious, obviously, but you're far off that now. I mean, those are healed. Maybe from a mental standpoint you're worried about, but Zach is completely over that. So I don't think it's health as much as age and 
lot of tread. I mean, a lot of receptions, a lot of yardage, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of games over the years, and that's always going to be a concern. And we like to speculate here on Birds 365. That's what they pay us to do, as a matter of fact. Uh, we will get a third leg of the speculation as to where Zach Ertz will be and what he can do in this upcoming season, if not here in Philadelphia. Guy who covers the whole National Football League, does it for the NFL Network, but a Philly guy at heart. Mike Garofolo is going to join us next here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Mega Mac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, we've got you for another, oh, shoot, 40 minutes today. And uh, we'll be here tomorrow as well. And then long weekend, Memorial Day weekend, Birds 365 will be off on both Friday and Monday. And then we'll be right back at it next week. Uh, looking forward to the next 20 minutes or so because we've got a great guest on the line. He's uh, one of the best reporters in the National Football League. And yes, I know for a fact he's a Philly guy. So we'll talk both birds and the entire NFL with Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network, who is well suited to be on this show because 
He liked the two hosts are follically challenged, <laughs> and he's got a goatee. The only problem is he's young enough that his is still dark, yes. whereas Johnny <laughs> and I are snow white. But we'll take him just the same. How you been, Garofolo? I got a little patch right here that keeps growing right here, so I'm I'm <laughs> I'm getting there. You're getting there, Mike. It's good to have you on. Uh, I think we have to start NFL talk we, right now in this league. Aaron Rodgers. And we'll get to Julio Jones. But I, I do want to take you down the Aaron Rodgers path because it's so interesting. And obviously, um, he was on SportsCenter. Everybody saw the clip, and uh, uh, Kenny Mayne was able to get him. But your perspective and how Aaron is handling this situation and um, his dis dislike for the organization, let's be honest. That's where we are with the GM and the president. Yeah, I mean, listen, those are those are two different things to me. One, um, I think he's handling it terribly. Um, and I, I hate to do the whole source guessing thing. But I mean, it's it's pretty clear that, you know, his camp has has let it be known what's what's going on there. Um, so they've had a hand in it uh, to the reporting to this point. So that's number one. Um, number two. Uh, I do understand his point, though. Um, certain quarterbacks – here's what I always find funny. Sometimes you'll hear uh, a story about a quarterback having input into personnel, and it's portrayed as a negative, right? And then sometimes you hear it, and it's portrayed as a positive, right? Like sometimes it's, oh, well, Carson Wentz, uh, it was portrayed as a negative, that he wanted certain things, and he wanted to have input in these kinds of things. And then it's, you know, Russell Wilson – kind of the same thing in Seattle, but whether or not protecting me well enough. Well, they should listen to Russell a little bit more. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers wants targets and wants things around him because he knows that his his days in the NFL are, are, are dwindling here. And they draft his replacement in the first round, which I know he said, by the way, it had nothing to do with the mm -hmm. drafting of Jordan. That's not true. Yeah. What he meant was it's not personal to Jordan. Like, I've got nothing against him. I like him. But the actual drafting of Jordan Love, yes, that rankled him because he said we could have used that pick to get us a receiver in a, in a deep draft and, and stuff to help us. So I, I do think he's not handling it extremely well, but I do understand his points and his concerns on this one. And, oh, by the way, it, uh, Packers practice yesterday, voluntary gathering. Um, the top five <laughs> wide receivers did not show. And they're saying it might just be a coincidence that that's the case Come on, they're standing by their guy. They're going to eventually show, but they're standing by their guy for now, and they all decide to show up, not show up on the same day. That is far from they're, a coincidence. They're standing by their guy because they know where their bread is buttered, and they also know what happens in Aaron Rodgers' mind when he turns you off. When you, when you're, <laughs> he, he doesn't turn you back on. Okay, uh, I, I don't want to get into the guy's personal life too much, yeah. but you know what, know. what that situation is. Yeah, yeah. But, it, it, you know, as a whole, you bring up Russell Wilson, Mike. I, I do look at this and I say, where are we with quarterbacks in this situation that, like, they want to be involved with personnel? Per I mean, I don't even think coaches should be that involved with personnel. I don't think there's enough time in the day, to be honest. I mean, so when you start saying, oh, you know, this quarterback deserves it, this quarterback doesn't deserve it, uh, that gets into some murky water. I think if you're you're involving players in personnel decisions, it's probably not going to end up well. 
you should take their temperature at least, particularly when they're key players. And look, I, it, let's let's relay it to the Eagles, right? The Eagles did try to get uh, Wentz's input at times. Now there was also the coaching staff. There were there's too many chefs in the kitchen the yeah. last couple of years. That was the problem. Uh, but they also will speak to Fletcher Cox on the other side of the ball to see what he thinks about certain defensive players or you know how's this working and all that. And, and to me, that's the way it should be. Now again, the communication hasn't worked the last couple of years in Philly. Uh, but to me, if I'm a general manager, yeah. I want everybody's input. I don't want just the coaches telling me, hey, here's what we think a certain way about how things are going. I also don't want the scouts saying, well, don't worry about what the coaches are thinking because this is the way it should be for blah, blah, blah. It should be everybody who is a key uh, central figure should have input to you. And that, to me, includes franchise quarterbacks. Now, don't expand that circle too far. Don't go to your nickel cornerback and see what he thinks about your edge rushers because now you're just going to have – uh, way too much information overload at that point. But I, I just, I, you know, John, I understand what you're saying. They shouldn't be sitting in personnel meetings, but they should have their input. I, I really do believe you're paying them enough money. Mm. If you can justify, hey, you were paying them $30 million, at least make them do some general managerish work. <laughs> if that's the way you got to do to tell yourself to sleep well at night, that's good. Um, I, in case you don't know, Mike, and I'm sure you do, I am the king of the hypothetical question. I love the yeah. re- whole reading between the lines thing. I know all uh, about you, Jody. I've been listening since <laughs> yeah, Yes, what, you do. Years old? Uh, exactly right. Um, so uh, I'm going down the hypothetical road with you. If they got under the cone of silence in uh, Green Bay with Murphy and Gutenkunst and Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron said, listen, I can put all of this behind me, but you guys got to do just one thing to show me that you are dedicated to me. Trade Jordan Love. If you trade yeah. Jordan Love, we'll all we're all good. I'll get all the receivers on the phone. They'll all be here tomorrow. We'll all go forward, sing kumbaya. It'll be great here in Green Bay. And then he got up and walked out of the office. Would yeah. the Packers actually trade Jordan Love? Uh, I don't think so. Number one, and number two, uh, that would kind of prove that Aaron's a bit of a hypocrite, right? Oh yeah, said, uh, said, I, I, right? that's why I said cone of silence. He doesn't <laughs> want to admit to it. He, he squares them both uh, to that same silence. Here's what needs to happen, but we never discussed this again out of this room. Yeah. You guys got to trade Jordan Love. They they wouldn't do it now. Uh, maybe you do it next offseason after you give Rodgers some kind of contract extension that, you know, and, and here, this has already been mentioned. The, the Packers have a certain way of structuring contracts, which these teams that are married to their contract structure and the, the the Steelers are another one of these teams, right? This is what happened with the Le'Veon Bell situation. Well, they never guarantee anything into the second year of the deal. So everything they offered Le'Veon was a one-year guarantee. Yeah, but it was also a, a, a ton of money that they weren't going to pay him year one and then walk away from it year two. They were trying a similar approach with Rodgers. Whatever, whatever you have to do to make this thing right from a financial point. If you're if you're going to pay that money in year two, just guarantee it. You know nobody's going to come in. Uh, you know your 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 third wide receiver is not going to come in and say, "Well, you guaranteed money in year two of Aaron Rodgers because he's Aaron Rodgers." Okay, so I, I hate these. Uh, you know we we've got a policy around here. Do whatever you need to do financially to make it clear. So then. Let's say you lock up Rodgers to that deal and you get to next offseason and you plan to keep him for 22 and maybe even 23 uh, and beyond. Uh, you know, then then you then you can move Jordan Love and then it doesn't look like, well, we moved Love so that Rodgers could come back. No, we made a commitment to Rodgers. We've only got four years with Love before he's a free agent anyway. Then you can move, a la Jimmy Garoppolo. You get to a certain point where you say, hey, we've got to move him at some point because our starter wound up being here longer than we thought he was going to be here. 
so, Mike, bottom line, how do you think this ends? You mentioned Aaron's, uh, uh, let's be honest, his, yeah. his, the, the way he is, we know, when he turns off that, that switch, it's turned off. He seems to have turned it off. A lot of people have gone down the Carson Palmer route. I don't think he can do that because then he'd have to pay back, I think, about $23 million. Yeah. Uh, he's got plenty of money, but I can't. Nobody wants to cut that check. No. Nobody. Nobody. Just, um, just like just like everybody saying he's going to leave and go host Jeopardy. That's a massive yeah. pay cut. It's a nice payday, but it's a massive pay cut for him. Go ahead. Sorry, John. It's, exactly. So I don't see a lot of avenues. It's basically Denver, and, and that's it. But Green Bay would have to agree to trade him. Mm-hmm. Mark Murphy, you know, Brian Gutekunst, they they don't have to trade him. Where do you think this ends? I'm always the one that thinks, like, you know, the team holds all the cards and they can just force the guy to come back and he's going to come back. Um, and then it winds up that they just deal him at the last minute. I've, I've, I mean, there's been many situations. I go back to when I covered the Giants and Jeremy Shockey, after they won the Super Bowl, was just adamant that he was, I'm out of here. And I thought, well, eventually he'll settle down and he'll come back. And, and no, he just kept it going to the point where the team said, all right, we're just going to do uh, the deal, the best deal we can, because, you know, he's just he's just not going to get over this. So players, if they're committed to this, can really get a team to just say, you know what, we're just going to we're just going to cut our losses here um, and just move on. Um, that being said, uh, I do believe the new rules in the collective bargaining agreement agreed to last year uh, are going to make it very difficult for any player to make a stance, because you're right, John, if he holds out, it's a mandatory fine that cannot be forgiven that cannot be for, uh, reduced um i think it was smart of teams to put that in the new collective bargaining agreement i think it was um a, a, a mistake by the union to, to let that happen but they had to concede on certain things and probably said you know how do we how do we fight this and say no we want our players to have the ability to not honor their contracts that's a tough argument to make so i thought it was smart of the owners to use their leverage at the time to do that um, so, uh, you know, I, I think he winds up back there. I think it's uncomfortable, but I think it was uncomfortable last year and he was the MVP of the league. This is a guy that's used to uncomfortable. Um, I think he still can perform. I think they still can win games, uh, despite it. And then maybe we revisit it next offseason. That's my best guess. But if Aaron Rodgers might be sitting at home watching Birds 365 saying, eh, you watch, buddy. I'm committed to this one. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Speaking of watching, I watched Julio Jones show up on Undisputed the other day. Shannon Sharp fakes out the phone and calls him in the middle of the show. Yo, bro, you going to Dallas? Um, he said, I'm out of here on Atlanta. He is determined to be playing elsewhere. Puts the Falcons in a tough spot that he announces it on national TV. And yeah. now they have to react. Uh, I'm hearing that the Falcons might not even be able to get a number one. I understand Julio's got a uh, major contract and there would have to be a renegotiation and uh, it might not be the easiest deal to make, but he's still worth at least a number one pick, isn't he? I know he's getting a little old, but he's still going for a thousand yards every single year. Unquestioned. He's still one of the most talented wide receivers in the draft. Falcons trade him. What are they getting back in return? Well, I, I would say this. Um, it, it, let's do it as contract as is. Let, let's say nothing's changing. You're just basically getting the player in his contract. I think it's going to be tough for them to get a first-round pick. I really do. Uh, now, that being said, um, there is a different value placed on – let's pick a team. Uh, 
I mean, th- these teams don't need it, but but Kansas City or Tampa Bay, you know, let's let's go New England. Let's go New England because they're they're a team that could use them. New England's first round pick if they get Julio Jones, considering everything that they've added this offseason, um, that's a late first round pick. And if you look at the success of late first round picks, not that good, right? And and so I think teams, a lot of teams, overvalue those picks. I'll give you a team that doesn't. Seattle. Seattle says we haven't drafted in the front half of the first round since I think 2010 was the last time they drafted in the first round, uh, at the top of the first round. So they go, we're just going to use these picks for known commodities, right? And and granted, Julio Jones is not Jamal Adams, who they got uh, in the early part of his career. Uh, it's it's the late, later parts. You're only going to have him for a couple more years, and he's been a guy that's been banged up before. I could see a team at some point saying, you know what, we're going to be picking 25 or up, somewhere up there. Let's take a shot. Let's do it. And maybe you give them the first and you get something back. That's another way to doing it, to soften that first-round pick. You give them the first and you get back a, a fourth or something like that so that the trade chart tells you that it's really a two. Because that's the other thing, too. If, if Atlanta takes a two – they're going to want it to be a high second-round pick. Well, these teams that are in uh, win-now mode are going to have potentially late second-round picks. So that's sure. the way that you do it. Yeah. We saw it with a couple of trades. Um, I forget exactly how the Carson Wentz trade computed. Um, there's another trade that happened this offseason that I'm blanking on. Oh, Orlando Brown. Um, the Ravens got a first-round pick back. But because of the way that the, the pick swap happened after that, it wound up calculating to a mid-second round pick. But that mid-second round pick didn't exist. So you had to do it the way that they yeah. did it to make it happen. That's what I could see happening with Julio Jones. All right, Mike, you have heard this term over the years. Let's bring it back to the Eagles. You said something uh, about too many chefs in the kitchen with this organization. Nobody's plugged in better than you to the top mm-hmm. of this organization. So you look at Jeffrey Lurie, you look at Howie Roseman, you go back to the draft, I think it was a little bit overblown, the kerfuffle with Tom Donahoe, to say the least. But nonetheless, I mean, this team's had some issues when it comes to drafting in, yeah. in the past couple of years. Are there too many chefs in the kitchen with this organization? Um, no, I just think the chefs haven't been on the same page the last couple of years. You know, you're always going to have your coaching staff and your scouts, you know, you just you, you got to have them. Uh, and a lot of times what will happen with the good organizations is the scouts come in and COVID has completely screwed this up. Yeah. But they'll usually come in um, around mini camp. Right. So the draft happens. I'm sorry, rookie camp. The draft happens. Rookie camps right after that. So the scouts will be there and the teams will let their scouts see the guys that they've spent all year scouting. Uh, and, and have them have a firsthand look. And while they're there, they'll have organization-wide meetings where the scouts have a better understanding of here's what the coaches want, here's what our philosophy is around there. So don't just go out there and find a player that you love, athletic ability that you fall in love with. You need to understand our philosophy and how it all meshes together. The great organizations that know how to draft well do a really good job of that. And the Eagles try to do that. I'm not saying that they're not trying to do that, uh, but it just hadn't happened with the previous regime. And just I think Doug Peterson got to a certain point where he won a Super Bowl and he had a certain uh, thought in his mind about how much power the coaching staff should have. And a lot of these things, whether it was talent stuff or uh, X's and O stuff or who's starting or whatnot, you know, it became uh, a bad communication from the coaching staff to the front office. So the hope is that Nick Sirianni and his staff that they've got in there now, uh, and, you know, obviously everything's kumbaya right now, but we really haven't gotten to the point where, uh, you know, stuff's going to start to hit the fan. 
then we'll find out how good the communication is. Um, you know, they feel like they're on a better page. So, no, I, I think I think it's the proper number of chefs. It's just everybody's got to understand the recipe. If I carried out that metaphor, very good for you there. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I got well it. Done. Um, well done. Uh, I want to follow up with Nick Sirianni. Uh, we could yep. do another 15 minutes of the relitigation of did Doug deserve to be fired or not, but uh, been there, done that. Um, well, the owner says he didn't deserve Right. The fired. owner said it as he's <laughs> right. firing him. Um, from the day he was hired, as a bit of a surprise candidate, he wasn't mentioned with any of the other openings around the league, but the Nick, uh, the Eagles decided to grab him. To today, running practices – as little work as they're actually getting done in these gatherings in the non-mandatory uh, workouts that they're having. Mm -hmm. You read on Nick Sirianni. Is he getting it done, not getting it done? Is going to get it done? Is a little overmatched at this time because still wet behind the ears? From the hiring to today, how do you think Nick Sirianni has worked? There's, there's a positive energy in the building. Um, and let's face it, there was a lot of negative energy. Uh, toward the end of the Doug Peterson ad administration there um, for multiple reasons. You know, when, when your franchise quarterback and your coaching staff are not on the same page and your quarterback in your front office, I mean, that, that'll that lead to a lot of things and a lot of uncomfortable uh, circumstances. So um, I think moving on from the head coach and moving on from the, from the quarterback, who, by the way, I think is going to do well in Indy. I really do. And, and I hope that people don't sit there and say, you know, well, why did we get rid of it? Because because it was it was just done here. It was it just was never for multiple reasons. It was just never going to work, even though the Eagles entered the offseason saying we can get him back on the same page with us and we can convince him that things are going to be better going forward. It just he, he never got to that point. Um, so I, 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 I like the energy. I like the feel of the energy here. Let's face it. After that press conference, he had work to do with the with the with the players. OK, the players saw that press conference and had the same reaction to a lot of folks, uh, a lot of average Joes like like us uh, watching that and saying, this is not good. This is a, yeah. he, he just the players were texting amongst themselves saying, what did we just get ourselves <laughs> into? But, you know, they, they've start, they've gotten a better understanding of him. He's been better in press conferences. He's been better in meetings with them and they understand his 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 persona. Now, look, he's going to get into the regular season. He's going to make a mistake because all coaches make mistakes, whether it's a, a bad challenge or a bad decision or whatever. And he's going to find out that nobody's going to dissect it like the Philadelphia market. I mean, I, I, I live up in North Jersey now. I'm in the New York market. Um, I, I've been around the league and seen different. There's no pressure cooker like Philly. I'm just I, I thought that when I lived there and worked there. I am completely convinced of that now that I've seen it elsewhere. So there's going to be times where he's going to be portrayed as a buffoon, a guy that just has no idea what he's doing because there's growing pains with him learning how to be a head coach and some younger players on the team. Um, that'll be an interesting moment for me because I want to see how he reacts to it uh, and how the players react to it as well and, and the tone from the organization. Um, so we'll see. We'll see because it's going to happen early in the season. Uh, it'll be a pivotal point, and you know, maybe we'll come back and we'll talk about it and, and see how we think everybody reacted to it. Sure. Yeah. You're obviously you're you're right, Mike. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to learn on the job as a rookie head coach in this league. We've seen it time and time again. I want to talk to you about the theme of this coaching staff. It was evident that Jeffrey Lurie wanted to get uh, a youthful group in here, an energetic group for whatever reason. If it's Sean McVay, we all know he's sort of the guy, the template in this league right now. Um, 
I do look at Nick Rollis, youngest position coach in the league, Michael Clay, youngest coordinator in the league. Is he playing with a little bit of fire or, or is this just the future of this, this league and he's ahead of the curve? You know, I thought there was going to be a, you mentioned Sean McVay. Sean McVay had Wade Phillips. Yeah. Um, Cliff Kingsbury had Vance Joseph. Yeah. Now, granted, there's a difference in some of these guys that I'm mentioning, but usually you have a guy on the staff, the grizzled veteran uh, head coach, now well, turned Jim, back. To- Jim for Doug. Doug was older, but they brought yeah. in Jim for a reason. They, there you go. Exactly. Uh, a guy who's been a head coach before yeah. can kind of, you know, they 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 didn't make that move here. I was I kept waiting for who's the guy that's going to come in and, and, and be that guy. Um, so I, I is he playing with fire? No, I think he's getting his guys. Um, I, I I just that that to me is that's the hope. Who who's the guy that's going to kind of handhold a little bit uh, and 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 walk him through some things? So um, that was that was the one area where I thought okay if 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 I could say that they made a mistake somewhere. You know, so we'll see. Um, that, that's the one thing for me. Um, the other thing is, um, what's he, 40? I think he's 40 on the dot. He's going to be 40 next month, June. Yeah. I, and I said, well, where does this rank as far as, you know, even in franchise history? Young, there, were, there were multiple guys who were younger than him in, in, in franchise. It's like crazy how 40 is sure, not, not young anymore, right? Yeah. Um, here's the other thing, though. Uh, I think a lot of people saw this higher, considering all the um, – experienced guys that were on the market that could have been had and also the Eric B enemies, right? A guy who would have come in and, uh, you know, was a popular uh, amongst, you know, fans and even some players um, who would probably not have been a yes man. I know a lot of people are thinking that Nick Sirianni is a yes man and that's why they hired him. Um, I'm, I'm going to look for him to prove that wrong because they're telling me and everybody I talk to says, no, that's not the case. He was not hired because he's a yes man. And by the way, he's not a yes man. He's got his own opinions. He's got his own things. Uh, that is another thing that is going to be in a lot of people's minds as we go forward here that he's going to have to disprove and he's going to have to prove that um, he's his own guy. He's making his own calls and he's not being told uh, what to do. And again, I'm not saying that he is. I'm just saying that that perception is out there and that's something that he's going to be fighting against. Let me ask about the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. We dissect him every single day here on Birds 365 in different ways. I want to go different with you. Mm-hmm. Last year, Jalen Hurts was pretty damn effective when he pulled the ball down and just took off with it. That was under Doug Peterson, under that regime, under that scheme. New scheme, new regime, new coaching staff. The skill's still there, the ability to just take off and run. I believe, I don't know this for a fact, but I believe after only Lamar Jackson and Murray, he was the most effective yards per carry guy on the yards that he took off and made when he pulled mm-hmm. the ball down. Will that be frowned upon by the new Eagle coaching staff? Will that be accentuated by the new Eagle coaching staff? How do you think we all want to talk about Jalen Hurts, the passer? How do you think Jalen Hurts, the runner, plays in this new Eagle system? Well, they've had an offseason now or having an offseason right now where they can design stuff for that. Um, and they've got going into the season, you hope, unless you lose guys in training camp, uh, a fully healthy offensive line and, and, and a healthy roster around him. Those are the things that he didn't have. He didn't have, you know, everything last year was geared toward we've got to get Carson Wentz right. So that's how they spent their offseason. That's how they spent training camp. And everything that they threw at Jalen Hurts was to be that, um, you know, uh, Weapon X type guy that was coming into the game and, uh, you know, have a couple of snaps here and there. To try to do that stuff middle of the season is very difficult to do at times 
Uh, not saying that Carson Wentz couldn't get out and do some things with his leg as, legs as well, but not like we saw him do early in his career. Um, so, so now I think this, the mobility stuff is going to be by design. Um, I don't know that it's going to be frowned upon. Look, if there's nothing there, you take it and you, you take what you can get. I would say after that, make sure you're, you're healthy and you're not getting hit because we've seen young quarterbacks who can move, take some shots. So that might be frowned upon when there's some physicality uh, on the back end of those runs. Uh, but I, everything with regard to Jalen Hurts since I've experienced him and you know since he's come into this league is that he likes to pass the ball. He'd rather throw the ball, and he what, doesn't want to get out there and run uh, and, and have to be that kind of guy uh, a lot of the time. So um, you know, I, I think it, I think you'll see him uh, really try to prove that he can throw the ball in this league and not just get out there and and, and run. Um, and again, you know, with with, with this offseason and and a coaching staff who. Um, in Shane Steichen has run stuff uh, that can take advantage of play actions and boots and stuff like that. I, I, I truly believe you're going to see some stuff to take advantage of what Hurts can do by design. Mike, nationally, nobody expects anything of this team. Nobody. I mean, yeah. Peter King came out this week, bottom five. You guys, NFL.com, your colleagues, bottom five. Mm-hmm. Pro Football Focus, bottom five. Everybody thinks this team isn't very good. Mm-hmm. You brought up the offensive line. I, I think they're going to be better than people expect because of that offensive line. So do they. <laughs> yeah. A lot of big ifs. You can't count on guys being healthy, but I'm playing yeah. the odds here. You're not going to yeah. have historic attrition back-to-back years. That's my philosophy. And that way, will it help Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni? Because I think everybody, and you know better than me, put your national hat on, they look at the coach, they look at the quarterback, Mm -hmm. and they say, this team stinks. But I look at the lines and say, "Eh, it's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of times what people miss when they uh, assess teams in the offseason going into a season. Because let's face it, offensive lines aren't sexy. You look at skill positions. You look at – you know, pass rushers and and stuff like that, which they do have, by the way. Uh, that's not to say that they don't have, but but they don't look at. Uh, they, they forget what Fletcher Cox can mean uh, to the middle of a defensive line and the things that he can uh, do to create havoc for uh, opposing offensive line. So yeah, I mean, listen, give us the crystal ball and, and look into the future, and you're telling us the offensive line is going to stay healthy for the entire year. Yeah, that's worth a couple of wins. Um, so you know, that's the way that they're looking at it. Look, the secondary's got question marks back there. Um, but they look at it and say, okay, we're going to continue to build back there. We'll find some guys. Um, and what we do up front can really help out what we're doing back there. So they certainly believe that they are going to surprise a lot of folks this year with what they're able to do. Are they a playoff team? Probably not in my mind, but, um, you know, are they eight and nine, which nine and eight, eight and nine, it's, it's going to take some getting used to. Yeah. I, I, I love, you know, we, the, the fact that we don't have eight and eight as a benchmark anymore is just a huge hole for all of us who are <laughs> assessing these teams going into the future. Um, I think there's somewhere around there if everybody stays healthy um, and they win some games. Now, look, I, I think that's potentially a landmine, right? Because yeah. what if they're yeah. just okay? And what if Jalen Hurts is decent and you go into the draft next year with three first round picks and now you've got to decide is he going to continue to ascend or has he basically already shown us what he is because now is it going to be our opportunity and i'm uh, bearish on the dolphins this year i think that first round pick could be a high first round pick 
So that's going to be a really interesting one to me. If they're kind of middle of the road and he's good, not great, what do they decide? How do they go about this? Because next year, with the way that they've set up that draft, it's yeah. if Hurts is good, we've got the ammo to build around him. If he's not, we've got the ammo to get ourselves a quarterback. All right. Uh, and, oh, by the way, John and I, when they came out with the schedule, went down, win-loss, win-loss. Both of us at 8-9. So eight and nine. <laughs> we're, 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 all, we're all in the same exact boat together. All right, I want to follow up on his line of thinking, uh, looking a little different. Um, the fact that the Eagles are potentially in 8-19, we're all saying that, that that's the mix. Uh, let's say it plays either better or worse. We're only a couple of years from move, removed from when the Eagles used the underdog mentality to deliver a parade. Now, uh, readily admit, completely different type of underdog. Uh, underdog is a home playoff team against Atlanta, against Minnesota, and then an underdog against those Patriot guys in a big game at the end of the year. Completely different from, well, Peter King's got us ranked 28. The NFL Network's got us ranked 28. It's a different type of underdog, but can the Eagles use the underdog mindset this year to get to that eight and nine, which could be nine and eight? And before you know it, you're in the playoff hunt in the NFC East. Can they do that with a new coaching staff? But some of the key guys, like Elaine Johnson, putting on that dog mask, can they make underdog work for them again? Yeah, I mean, listen, that, that'll be the approach. That'll be the, you know, hey, they forgot Lane. Brandon, uh, you know, Fletcher, uh, Brandon, multiple Brandons, Jalen, Jalen, Jalen. How many Jalens are we at now? Well, they lost one this offseason. Yeah, you know, yeah, one, one, one Jalen lost. Um, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be – they forgot how – about us. They forgot how good we are, and we've just been banged up, right? So that, that's how those players will use it. And then Sirianni will come in with his, you know uh, – underdog energy right that, that you're already seeing in these press conferences and that'll be the approach will it be effective we'll see I think it only can get you so far you're, you're either good uh, or you're not um, you know but 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 this is this is a energetic hungry young coaching staff um, and I think that that energy combined with some talent is going to win some football games I really do my last one Mike oh to Jody Mac uh, so this is for you Jody uh, Sean Watson. Oh, I thought you were going Greg Ward. No. Allegations evaporate. Evaporate. So we're doing speculatory, Jody yeah. Mack. Yeah. How quick is Howie Roseman on the phone? Uh, I mean, <laughs> faster than the, the evaporation uh, occurs. There's still, there's still liquid, right? Like, there's just... <laughs> <laughs> I know that one. Um, yeah, quickly, quickly. He's definitely in on. It. He's definitely in on it. There's no question about it. Um, and uh, you know, I, some people who are pro Jalen Hurts, um, you know, might might feel a certain way. And uh, if they're able to pull off the trade, I don't think how he cares. <laughs> I just you know, nor should he. By the forget, way, forget forget hurt feelings. Yeah. No pun intended. Uh, hurts feelings. Uh, it, it's it's uh, you know you, he tries to make the move. He tries with everything he's got, and everything he's got includes those three first round picks next year. Yeah. They were committed to Carson Wentz, who would never take a thirty three million dollar dead dead cap hit until they did, and they'll be committed to Jalen Hurts 
until they're not. If the Sean Watson actually becomes available, you are dead on right, Mr. Garofalo. <laughs> Mikey, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on with us today. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll tap into you from time to time to jump on Birds 365 in the future with us. You got it, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, he Mike. is Mr. NFL Network, Mike Garofalo, who, yes, is a Philly guy. He might be living in North Jersey these days, but don't kid yourself. He's a Philly guy through and through. Uh, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We're both Philly guys. We'll come back to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Come down to Homestretch here on a uh, Wednesday edition. Let me see. I wrote this down. Episode 38 of the Birds 365. Did you know that coming in today, McMullen, we had done 37 shows so far? Um, I did because you keep me aware of such things. Now, next week, that's going to be a bit of a problem because you can go five, 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 five. You know, and this week, we're off Friday and we're off Monday to celebrate Memorial Day. 
the, the math has been relatively easy. And that's the only way I can do math is if it's relatively easy. Going to get more difficult with a day missed this week and a day missed next week. But we'll take advantage of it and have a good time. We're certainly open all you eat. By the fans. way, if anybody misses us, they can go to the Jacob Media YouTube page. Watch it on demand. All the clips. Mike Garofolo will be up. Chris Franklin will be up at any time, Jody. Right. Uh, we've actually had some pretty good guests over the first 37 uh, shows. So feel free to go back and rewatch any of those segments on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, all right. So you're heading across the bridge again. I'm guessing you're an easy pass guy. You don't stop. I am and... an easy pass guy, but no, we only get access once a week. We don't. Oh, get once a week. So you're done. Yeah. Done for the we're week. No mas. Well, I don't even know if we're going to have access next week. But if we do, it'll be one day and that's it. Uh, unfortunately, minicamp, when they had minicamp, we would go all three days, but that's in the rear view mirror, as they say. By the uh, way, real quick, Mike Garofalo with that to Sean Watson. Uh, yeah, that's pretty quick, Jody. Pretty, uh, pretty quick. Understood. I agree with him. I agree with you. Uh, how he can't make the call quickly enough. I'm just surprised you're not going over to just hang outside the Novacare complex because there are some people who they know there are Eagle football players within the combine that they'll just stay there to watch them come out in their cars to make mental yeah. notes of that. That guys. ain't me, Jody. I get the same enough. I, I'm not suggesting you should. I'm just uh, trying to find out whether you are that kind of guy <laughs> or not. Good for you that you're staying home and doing what you got to do. I, uh, I say we come back and try this again in about 22 hours. You up for it, McMullen? I am up for it. We'll see. Day to day, as always. But I will be here. I'm going to guarantee it, actually. I'm going to yeah. guarantee it. Go guarantee. Sixers. Game two tonight. Wait, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, hold up. Wait a minute. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah. Wednesday is Powerball draw. Uh, I think it's 20-some-odd million. Which, by oh. the way, neither you or I were in Levittown, Pennsylvania, last week. Because somebody hit the Mega Million for a half a bill, okay. 500 million and change was sold right in the Delaware Valley in Levittown. I didn't have anything to do in Levittown last week. So I didn't know to go there to buy my ticket. So yeah, I'm working. Now I'm going to have to go out and buy a ticket. All right. Now, yeah. Mega million. More, you just put more on my plate. Joe. Mega millions is only 2 million and change. I don't know if that's life changing money yeah. for you. Not for everybody, but it's only 200 and change. So I uh, don't know. But the uh, drawing will be tonight. So if I hit, yeah, you're on your own, McMullen. I'm uh, exit stage left. I can oh, guarantee yeah. you that. Uh, yeah. But I don't Two think. Two million. I'd have to take a pay cut. Don't I, don't, I, I don't think either one of us is going to have to sweat that. But uh, good job today, brother. Thanks to Chris Franklin and Mike Garofalo for hopping out with us. Coming back in 22 hours, you'll get another edition, number 39, a Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.